This episode is brought to you by Bolt and Barrel Oil. Bolt and Barrel is a premium synthetic graphene-infused all-purpose lubricant that will outperform anything on the market. The graphene in Bolt and Barrel's formula creates a microscopic separation in between metal-on-metal contacts. Great for farms, bicycles, power tools, or anything that needs a high-performance lubricant. Bolt and Barrel is a veteran-owned company and available online at www.boltandbarreloil.com as well as select retailers around the country. Check them out on Instagram at Bolton Barrel Oil. Again, that's www.boltonbarreloil.com and use promo code scrolling for 10% off at checkout. This episode has also been brought to you by Cloverstone Digital Group. Cloverstone Digital Group has been in the business since 2003. They've helped everyone from a one-person business with a small budget like myself to national retailers with a $35 million budget. They're helping me with my business and they can help you too. You can find them on Instagram at Cloverstone Digital Group or www.cloverstonedigital.com. They're offering free consultations. Just let them know that Tom sent you. Again, that's www.cloverstonedigital.com or on Instagram at Cloverstone Digital Group. What is up, y'all? What's going on, man? Welcome to another episode of Scrolling Through Life. Uh, I got my brother here today, man. Um, I've known this guy for, oh, fuck, man, what is What's it been? A little over 10 years now, right? 2010. Yeah. Joe Hudson, man. Joe Hudson. Uh, I met him in the Q course. Um, he's become my brother. Like, um, he's, he, he's helped me push through so many, um, put it like this, at the darkest of my times, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, pulled me through um, some real sketchy times, man. But... His story is, is is very inspirational, man. Of, of of where he was, and you know, what I'm saying everything he's 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 gone through, and then uh, the man that he is today, man. And I'm gonna tell y'all something. I don't care what he tells y'all; it's not gonna do justice to, to you know uh, what I saw. You know what I'm saying? And 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 the man that he's come today, man. It's it's inspirational. He is what I like to call my life coach. <laughs> I hit him up whenever I got problems. Uh, he gives me support. He gives me, you know, uh, encouragement. Um, he's always supported me since the beginning, man. Um, back at the Q course. So uh, Joe, man, introduce yourself a little bit. Um, tell us, you know, just give us a little background, man. Sure. So like you said, you know, we met in the, the army and, uh, Get the full backstory uh, as far as who I am. I'm from a place called West Virginia. If anybody's ever heard of that, I'm sure you have. Um, There's a lot of. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have. (laughs) Have you ever heard of that place? A lot of of good, uh, funny jokes about that place, but a lot of them are true, you know. But um, I grew up in a a military type family. My grandfather, which was uh, the ultimate patriarch of our family, right. was in uh, the 82nd Airborne in uh, in World War II. He was in the infantry. Okay. Bad motherfucker. Real bad motherfucker. Um, he was over there, I believe, for four something years. I think I think uh, back then when you deployed, you just stayed till the shit was done. I'm not sure how it went, but I think you stayed over there the whole fucking time. Or Right until your contract was done, or it's so right. it, yeah, you were dead. You, you, you were done. Yeah, right. Um, different times. Yeah, absolutely different times. I grew up uh, as 
I'm not going to say a lot of people in West Virginia do, but I grew up in quite a bit of poverty, you know? Right. Um, in West Virginia, there's a, there's haves and there's have nots and they're to a very, uh, very distinct degree. There's a level of poverty in West Virginia that's almost hard to believe and it still exists today. It definitely did, you know, back when I was a kid. Um, so a lot of people that come from West Virginia have like a, I wouldn't say an immigrant mentality, but it's, it's very similar to that because they come from a, a different kind of place where they have to struggle a lot, you know? Right. And uh, I would say that was definitely a contributing factor to the mentality toward uh, toward joining the Army and being the kind of person that, you know, just likes to suck, you know what I mean? You got to kind of enjoy the suck sometimes in life. And uh, right. that's what got me to that place right there, you know, and that's uh, how you and I end up meeting. I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, our generation, I think that was just the thing, man, because we didn't have nothing else, you know what I mean? So, like, imagine if we grew up in the in the uh, Xbox days, you know what I'm saying? Like, like actually indoors playing video games all the time. I don't think, like, guys like you, guys like us, you know, would have been so immersed in the outdoors, so that's just what we did back then, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? Just growing up, you just wanted to be outdoors, you want to be, you know what I'm saying? You just wanted to get in and stuff. For sure, there's a, a different type of stimulation, man. Yeah, there's a different type of stimulation that comes from uh, physical activity. And I remember a lot of the things that I did when I was a kid. I almost was kind of getting hurt on fucking purpose. You know what I mean? I was doing shit that right. got me hurt. I was, you know, falling out of fucking trees. I remember uh, one point in particular. We, my brother and I, had seen in a movie where uh, somebody had slid out of a tree on a stick. So we thought, well, okay, that's cool. So we tied a rope to the top of the tree. My brother held the rope on the bottom. I was like, I'm gonna slide down this bitch with a stick and slid down. And I ended up, the stick slid over and burned a hole through my hand, all the way down through my hand, down to my bone. Oh, that was just shit. That that was just the kind of fun. You know, that's just an example of the kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about all that. That was fun. No. I mean, I didn't enjoy getting hurt, but I know it was like, you know what I'm saying? Like whenever I was uh, out there doing whatever, just get up and shrug it off. You know what I'm saying? Shrug it off and, you know what I'm saying, move on. Um, So, yeah. So, so West Virginia, um, obviously you grew up in um, humble beginnings. Um, Right. And you were getting in trouble, right? I'm assuming like the rest of us kind of just getting into stuff. You know what I'm saying? Getting into stuff. Uh, so like I tell people all the time, man, like um, I was always, you know, looking back, if it, you know what I'm saying, knowing me today and, and, and understanding who I am today. And I look back and I'm like, man, I was just in the works. It was just, you know what I'm saying? Everything was just just kind of like a buildup. And, and, you know, I look back to all the stuff I was doing and like getting in trouble. I was always very... Uh, you know, I was just taking risks on everything, man. Like right. it's just everything, man. And, and 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 I look back and I go, yeah, nothing's changed. Now it's just on a, on another level, <laughs> right? Well, for, for me, you know, to get the more intimate details of the situation, I grew up not only in a lot of poverty but a lot of severe abuse, um, right. severe severe abuse. There's actually a I can tell you a whole uh, whole backstory in that man to where uh, to really get to who I am as a person has a lot to do with what happened to me as a, as a young child. Right. Um, 
which has completely ultimately to do with the kind of trouble I used to get in, why I got into trouble and everything else. Right. Uh, so my mother and father got divorced uh, when I was, I think I was six years old. Okay. That's pretty but, young. Well, even, even, even before that, it, this is a good fucking story. Even before that, so my mother and father were married. I think I was between the ages of three and four years old. My father loses his job. Right. And we can't afford to live where we live anymore. And my father was a, a very bad alcoholic at this time. Right. And uh, so we have to leave the house that we live in and move somewhere else because we can't afford to live there. Just what I remember the situation. Right. So... We end up moving out to this farmhouse. Um, and what I say when I mean farmhouse is a house that was built in the 1800s. Right. And to say it was a house is kind of a stretch because when uh, the house was just made out of hand sawn boards and like, you could see the sunlight coming through the, the, the side of the, the fucking house. Like right. the sun angle, you could feel the wind blow through the house. So it was built in the fucking 1800s. Uh, like the a in a hand hewn, like sandstone blocks and shit. Right. Like a hasty cabin, right? Kind of like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But the ideology behind why my parents wanted to move out there is because they wanted to live off the land and they were kind of fundamentalist Christians at this time and thought that God was going to provide for them and everything was just going to be okay, that they wouldn't need money anymore. Right. That's a little crazy, right? Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) So, (laughs) so we move out there and we're living in this house and it didn't even have a bathroom at the time. It had an outhouse. Right. My parents were kind of delusional in the way that they thought the way to get God's blessing was they were going to drive around to people's houses and give away all all their money. So my parents gave away all the money that they had thinking that when they did this, God would bless them and we would live fruitfully in this farmhouse on the land. Really? And you were how old at this time? I was five at this time. Oh, wow. So, to to say that I'm from poverty in West Virginia, yeah, that's part of the fucking story, but I'm from fucking a Netflix special in fucking West Virginia. This this shit is fucking, it's 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 unbelievable, man. Well, so. That's wild, bro. That's, that like, yeah, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of something that I got no words because 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 I can't believe imagine this house. It's there's, wild. there's no heat house. There's no AC in this house. Whatever temperature it is outside, it there's is, just man. a little bit less wind inside the fucking house. So I remember many times opening the refrigerator door and it was warm inside the refrigerator because it was so cold inside the fucking house. That's, right. It was a fucking barn with you know pretty much. Right. So at the point where. Uh, my parents started giving away all their money. Obviously, we fell into hard times because, believe it or not, 
God did not fucking come down from the clouds and bless them, and you know, and we did not prosper. Crazy as that sounds, right? And uh, <laughs> crazy. And my mother did not stay too much long after that. She was a strong, independent woman that didn't need no man or kids, right. so she fucking left and left us there with our father, which was obviously not a mentally sane fucking person, right? right. It's crazy. So my mother moved out. It's, Go ahead. It's crazy to me that you have, you know, a lot of happy things probably happen, but but like like traumatic, such traumatic points like this, because it's crazy how vivid you are painting this picture. Like well, to me, like to me, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very crazy, man. Because like, some people take that trauma and and and, and bury it. Right. But it's crazy, like how sometimes we still we use that trauma in your case for understanding and for growth. You know what I mean? But, but it's so vivid. I like well, that. the reason it's one of the, one of the reasons it's so vivid is I spend a, a lot of time trying to articulate it. And what I mean by that is I, I put in my fucking work to think about it as much as possible. Because one of the things people do with trauma is try to not think about it. Right. And that ain't how you get over trauma is by not thinking about it. That's how it stays in the background, constantly fucking buzzing. If you want to get over trauma, you have to look it in the fucking face and you have to articulate everything about the incident that happened to you. And only by doing that, do you come to acceptance and by coming to acceptance of the trauma, then you make the obstacle in the way become the way. And that is the only way you get past it by ignoring it and putting up a facade where it doesn't bother you and try to then just put it in the background. That's, that's how it stays a a persistent problem in your lives. Right. So, um, we kind of, so I don't want to take you away from that, um, 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 story real quick. So your mom leaves, like leaves you guys, you know what I'm saying? Pretty much leaves the family, right? Right. Right, right. And, okay, so continue on. I was just I was just trying to bring this back. <laughs> so it gets worse, <laughs> believe it or not. When my parents actually do get divorced, my mother sells us to my father for four hundred dollars. She tells him if you give me $400, you can have the kids and the condition of joint custody so she would never have to pay child support. Oh, wow. Yeah. But think about this for a second. That is not rational thinking from two fucking humans, right? Right, of course. From, from, there's some kind of mental illness going on. There. It's, that's something I, I try to, you know, myself comes to terms with is, you know, what the fuck was actually really going on there. Right. And the only way you can really explain that behavior is that there's some kind of cognitive issue. There's mental fucking illness going on there. Right, right. It was also in the early 90s and, you know, Different nobody, times. Could really see, nobody could really see what you were fucking doing. Yeah. Different so, times. And that's when the the bad shit really started happening, man. Cause my father was really, wasn't a violent person. Yeah. At this point he had stopped drinking at some time. Right. So he was a sober person now, but when my mother was gone is when he got to be a super violent person. Um, 
he, uh, at, at times, I'm not going to say it wasn't all bad. You know, it wasn't all bad. At times he seemed like he was a loving father, felt like he loved me. But there are other times when he would rip me out of the bed in the middle of the night, beat the fuck out of me and make me sit in the chair as a piss soaked sheet on top of my head so I could smell it until it dried just to fucking torture me. Yeah. So, <laughs> bro. So, from what I told my psychiatrist about him, is he definitely had some kind of mood disorder, like like a bipolar disorder. Right. Because sometimes he would be fucking okay, and then other times it'd be real fucking bad. And that was, uh, I experienced that kind of, that kind of lifestyle for, for many, many, many years, many yeah. years. And, uh, it wasn't just me that got fucked up real bad. My brother got it the worst. My brother got it worse than I ever did right. because he was developmentally disabled a little bit. Yeah. He couldn't read very well. My dad used to just beat his brains out every day. He would make him sit down and read a book. And every time he mispronounced a word, he'd just fucking beat his brains out. But that's, that's kind of a horror story, but that's not uncommon in West Virginia, man. There's, there's a lot of fucking painful poverty out there like that up in the fucking mountains and the fucking woods with fucking mentally ill people that are doing fucking crazy shit, you know? I don't know if it's that bad now, but you know, it is in some places, dude, you know? You're the first person that I've ever known from West Virginia. So like when we met that, like, like, not that I ain't seen stuff on, you know, I don't TV and shit like that, but like I had never met somebody from West Virginia. So like hearing your story and you telling me the realities of all that stuff and you know what I mean? Just West Virginia in itself um, was all very new to me and, and like eye opening, you know? It is eye opening, man, because a lot of people, it's uh, a lot of, <laughs> it's like a, almost like a little, a little version of Afghanistan here in the right. States. You know what I mean? People don't, know what the fuck's going on those fucking mountain people are fucking weird you know right 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 um yeah bro that's I mean obviously you know all that molded you and was setting the tone for who you were gonna become later on yeah it did and uh but the how and why of that is very important to who I become and the fucking, you know, I've fucked up in a lot of really bad fucking ways and, uh, and to fully understand how and why I did that, you know, it's, it's important to stand the how and why of, you know, how it became who I was, right. you know, it's very, right. so when you, you know what Stockholm syndrome is, right? Yeah. It's so, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Stockholm Syndrome, um, um, isn't that where, like, the captor starts becoming uh, compassionate for their, the captee becomes more compassionate for the, for the uh, captor, right? Right. Right. So, you start, you, is the only- you start trying to make sense of, of, of why they're doing it and accepting it, even though they're causing you harm and discomfort right 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 right. the the abuse becomes compassion for the abuser yep and that was the only notion of love i had as a child was the stockholm syndrome for my father yeah and that's very mind warping to happen to a fucking person right to to go through that as a young child it's 
that very much distorts your perception of reality, you know? And, uh, we were kept in like a very strange seclusion out there at that farmhouse. We weren't allowed to interact with any other humans at all. We weren't allowed to have friends. We weren't allowed to talk to other people. We weren't allowed to have any contact with anyone because if we did, then we would kind of expose what was going on out there at that, at that house. But we didn't have any neighbors, you know, it was very secluded. Right. And so that happening to me as a young person made me feel like I wasn't really a human because every time I was around other people, I didn't know how to act around them because I felt kind of like I was an animal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Cause it was all new to you. Right. And still when I was around them, I would try to steady their behavior as much as I could could try to see how they interacted with other people, their body language and stuff. Cause I knew that what I was living was not normal. And I knew that I didn't want to look so exposed when I was around people. So every right. time I was around people, I was always trying to, to, to memorize their behavior, to memorize how they talk to each other, their body language, anything that was confident. And every time I would get to watch TV, I would try to like, I would, I would practice this shit, you know, in my own, in my room, you know, just trying to be a normal fucking yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. As, as weird as that sounds, and uh, um, the- just real quick, um, hearing you say all that, um, because I know you very well. Now it's a lot. Some things about you are starting to make sense to me of how you think uh, because I know how you think. So you saying all that yeah. now? Now I'm like, huh? Okay, that's why he thinks like that. That that's why he's got that fine tuned. But all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you picked that up because you do that too, right? <laughs> you know that you do. You're a very, you're a very good observer, right? You're a very good observer. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, what I'm getting at—that's just like kind of like character development of where I wasn't like, uh, yeah, getting up to like teen years, um, leading up to where I joined the army. So during this time, my mother somehow did have the compassion for me to buy me a guitar, and uh, which I thought was the coolest fucking thing ever, right. because it was something I could actually have. You know, it was like a possession that I had, and uh, I just. Uh, started to teach myself how to play. Yeah. I uh, got a hold of a book and taught myself how to read music a little bit. And from teaching myself how to read music a little bit. I didn't know that. I, I thought you still yeah. play. So I remember you telling me how you started, but I didn't know that you learned how to read uh, notes. Cause I thought you just play everything just now, like off just listening and, 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 you know, just making stuff up as you, as, as you create, you know what I mean? I didn't know well, that. That's eventually where it went to. Yeah. Right. I learned how to, I, I had to learn how to read music to learn how to understand the book because it was written in written music. Right. So to, and what was in the book, I had to teach myself how to read music. Got it. So, but, but by the time I got halfway through the book, I didn't need to read it anymore because I could understand the, the sounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And from there, I didn't, I didn't really need to read anymore. How old but were you at this time? Uh, 12. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Yeah, 12. Okay. I'm kind of jumping around here, but no, no, I never. No, 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 we're good. But this is, this is an important part of the story, you know? Yeah, yeah. Important. So I start teaching myself uh, music, and that goes on for a few years. And um, that's just, I, I guess, like kind of in the background. I go from living, so while living in uh, West Virginia around the age of 14, my brother and I and some friends broke into a house and just beat it up real bad just for fun, just like, you know, fucked it up, you know, kicked it out of the walls and broke out of the windows and shit. Right. Unbeknownst to us, it belonged to the guy that owned the property we lived on. And there was no one else that could have done it because yeah. no one else lived there. So of course. we got caught for that and he kicked us off of our, kicked us out of the house. Oh shit. Yeah. That's kind of a bad deal. So from getting kicked out of the house in West Virginia, I get sent down to live with my aunt and uncle in uh, Florida right. and live there for a few months. Um, Lived down there for a little while, and uh, then my my dad and his third wife at the time moved down there, and they were staying with my aunt and uncle too. It's all just living in the same fucking house. Yeah. Then uh, my aunt and uncle got tired of us living there, so they kicked us out of there, and then we moved into another house down there. And at this point in time my dad had started drinking again with his third wife and the fucking domestic violence, man, the fucking fights. Right. It's just, it seems like it was just unbearable. It's so like what I'm hearing is, is, is you were missing a lot of um, consistency and uh, routine is the same thing, but consistency. There was no stability whatsoever. Right. There was, there was, there was never a time, yeah. There was never a time when I could say that like my survival needs were met. You know what I mean? There was never right. a time when it was okay. Yeah. There was never a baseline time where it was. It was always fucking chaotic. You know, right. It was always It was always always chaos. There was always fucking chaos. Right. And any time it was fucking good, don't even stop and smell the fucking roses because shit is about to fucking hit the fan. You know, it was that is. That was definitely the fucking the mentality. But what I didn't know at the time was that's what PTSD is. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is the nonstop fear response. The nonstop, it's never okay. You're always on fucking guard. It's never okay. You're always on fucking guard. Now it's really fucking bad. How do you recover? You know? Right. I didn't, I'd never even heard that acronym before in my fucking entire life, you know, um, PTSD. I, I, I had no idea what the fuck that was at the time at all. Nah, because I, I don't think any of us did. And, no. and and I say this quite often, man. It's 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 not even that it wasn't said, it just wasn't our era. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like our fathers and, and the generation before us, that was, I mean, look at World War II, that like... <laughs> What they call it? Shell shock, that's it. You know what I mean? But imagine the shit that they saw a lot more than what the fuck we saw and did. You know what I mean? But even our, you know, the 80s, 90s, 
like we didn't, bro, I, I had no idea what the fuck mental health was. I don't even know if we talked about it in like school at, at any point. I had never heard mental health until I came in the army and still then I didn't understand it. Like I still didn't right. know the full spectrum of mental health until I, <laughs> uneducated in mental health, started having mental health issues. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Thank- it's same here. It wasn't until my fucking life fell apart that I started fucking like, I got to figure out what the fuck is going on. Like, what has happened? Right. Um, yeah, man, that's, it's, it's, <laughs> imagine if we, if we would have been equipped, you know, early on about, uh, and educated on mental health and how to, you know, uh, notice it and deal with it. Um, back then, but you know, everything changes with generations and, 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 you know, now I think mental health is starting to become more of a, uh, subject and okay to talk about as, you know, saying as the time, as the fucking, uh, time passes. Well, it's because you got to raise your kids different now. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, facts. you got to raise your kids different now. Like when I was raised as a kid, like my thoughts and feelings didn't fucking matter. Like no, I was, I was a piece of fucking property. Like shut the fuck up. And like, I'm an adult. I get to have fun. Your life sucks until you're 18. Fuck off. That was pretty much fucking, you know, you can't treat your kids like that now. (laughs) No, (laughs) You kids like that now. No. And, and it's not even that because you can't, but like, if you think about it, like, Look at the stuff that we went through. You know what I mean? Like you look well, at your kids and yeah, you turn out to be fucking serial killers. You can't treat your kids like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right, man, let's get back. All right. So, so you guys got kicked out of your aunt and uncles and y'all bouncing around, right? Right. So we move into this fucking house, which is not a bad house. Decent yeah. fucking house. But we are still poverty stricken because I forgot this to bring this up earlier, but my father was just very adverse to getting a fucking job as in he wouldn't get a fucking job right. ever. And so we were always fucking starving. We were always fucking like if it wasn't cigarettes and beer, then it didn't fucking matter. Like I had holes in my fucking shoes. Uh, he wouldn't buy us deodorant. So we would stink at school just so our lives would suck more. Like he wouldn't get his haircuts and shit. Right. Just to fuck. He was kind of a cruel person. Right. Anyhow, living in fucking Florida, the the domestic violence is real fucking bad. The fucking the the, the alcoholism is real fucking bad. My fucking uh, stepmother takes off and moves back to West Virginia, and it's just me and my dad and my brother living in this fucking house in Florida. And dude. <laughs> Once again, the level of fucking poverty, man. Uh, I slept on a fucking carpeted floor, no blankets, no fucking pillows, just laid on the floor like a fucking animal and would have cockroaches running over me all the fucking time. Right. My dad wouldn't fucking work, so we didn't have any goddamn food. And, like, I would eat one meal a fucking day, and that's by bumming money through the morning at fucking school until I got to lunchtime at school. I had to get at least twenty-five. To get a fucking lunch. And I would right. have to bum that much every day to get a fucking lunch. Yeah. And I remember fucking me and my brother 
cutting open a fucking can of beans with a fucking pocket knife one evening for dinner. And my dad's sitting at the fucking table with the fucking 12 pack of beer and the fucking carton of cigarettes telling us that we could have all the food that he didn't need any. Go ahead, boys. I don't need any food. And tried to make us feel bad for eating all the fucking food. Oh. <laughs> While he's sitting there. Fuck that, man. Fuck, bro. Man. Just, just, to paint, just to paint a fucking picture for you. Oh. You know, the, the Western tradition. So to a lot of people, I didn't know all this, even though I've known this motherfucker for, for a while now. Like, I've heard some, but this is all new to me. So I'm listening to it just like you guys are right now, which is wild to Well, I've me, never talked about this shit before, man. It's yeah. not easy for me to talk about. I'm right. just hoping to get through this podcast fucking crying. You know I, mean? <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I, I, I mean, cause, well, no, dude, it's real, though, man. It's real. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, listen to that. I'm like, fuck, like... Like, not that I didn't understand you before, but now, like, I have an understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, exa- well, exactly. You know what I mean? There's everybody's got a fucking story. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's got right, a fucking right, backstory. Right. Everybody's got more fucking colors to the pain that you can actually fucking see when you get to fucking know them. There's there's more back there to anybody. You know? Exactly. So the saga continues, and. uh my stepmother has gone back to West Virginia and uh, my father and her had had a child. So I have a, a half sister now and uh, my father decides we're going back to West Virginia too. So we moved back to West Virginia, but we have no house to live in because we have nothing. We're homeless people, right? right? We're homeless people with all of our belongings packed up in the back of a fucking bench seat, fucking two-seater fucking truck. And uh, we go to my grandfather's property, which is the prop- property that I now fucking own. Right. Hell right. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, yeah. So that's which I, we, which... Ended up land- yeah, we ended up landing at that fucking property and living in this old fucking house. It was dilapidated, falling in, the roof is collapsing in. Uh, it's another old fucking 1800s fucking barn house, you know, just out in the middle of fucking nowhere in the fucking country. Right. And we're living there and uh, have no way to get to school. My dad has no way to take care of us. So uh, he uh, makes us ask around to see who will take care of us. And we find a family that we used to know back where we used to live that'll let us live with them for a little while. We live with them for a little while until they get tired of fucking taking care of us. Because why wouldn't they? They kick us out and make it. We had we had to go back and stay at that place with my father. And uh, it was about this time my brother was about eighteen years old and uh, decided to join the military, join the Marines. Yep, yep. He got out of there. Um. And after he left, my dad didn't see much of a point in sticking around either. So he left me there at that house uh, in the middle of fucking nowhere in that fucking barn with no roof and went and stayed with his uh, wife. Oh, yeah. Living with in Florida. And those those were hard days, my brother. Those are hard times, man. How, I had to fucking hate world. How old? Was 15. 15. Yeah. And he, uh, damn, man. He would come back on the weekends and shit. <laughs> and I'm not laughing. I'm only laughing because you just smiled. <laughs> but they're going to listen to this like, why the fuck are you just laugh for? <laughs> True, though. He would, 
come back on the weekends though. But I right. eat fucking squirrels and fucking fish out of a pond to fucking live then, dude, because there wasn't no fucking food. And in that same the, property, yeah, the, right. At that same property that you're at right now. At, at that house, the, the property I own now, yeah. Okay, not, okay. Or I'm at the property I own now, yeah. I bought that property. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what, but you couldn't even drink the water at that house, man, because it was red when it came out of the faucet because it had so much iron in it. It yeah. smelled like rotten egg. Like it would dye your skin and your hair if you fucking you couldn't drink it. So I would have to go out to this fucking uh, rusty pipe coming out of the fucking hillside near the barn. And there was a little. I tell you about that. No, <laughs> no, but I already. <laughs> there was a little trickler water that came out of that fucking rusty pipe that wasn't iron water and I would have to go out there and fill up a jug of water just so I could have something to fucking drink man hard times baby bro just live just live like, I'm speechless <laughs> as fuck man like that's just at 15 I know yeah, that's why like I don't even know man bro you make me seem like I'm like just like I left a lot of, I left a lot of shit out too it's a little too personal Improvisation major. Um, man, Damn. that's all 
I really wanted to do was just be a musician. You know what I mean? That's all I really cared about. That's the only thing that I ever, I ever loved was being a musician at that point in time, you know? Right. Cause through all those abuse and shit for, you know, multiple fucking years, the only, the only thing I ever had that was my own was music. music. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could, I could play in my head all fucking day. I could practice in my head all the fucking time. No one could take that away from me. Yeah. And, uh, so <laughs> got accepted to the school, moved to Cincinnati and, I thought fucking shit was fucking good. I mean, I got to hang out with other fucking kids and shit, fucking started smoking weed, hanging out with other musicians and shit, just having a good fucking time. It was fucking great. Yeah. And uh, my mom started having some financial trouble and uh, I had to get a job to help her out. And uh, so I was working through the summer in between my uh, junior and senior year of high school. The Korean Performing Arts School was a, was a, a preparatory school for the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, which is a college. So the, the school I was going to was like, it was a, a fourth grade through 12th grade fucking preparatory school for Korean Performing Arts. Right. Okay. Anyway. So I was, I was working through the summer to help my mom pay the bills and shit. And I would just give her my paychecks. I wouldn't even take any money from her. I just give her all the fucking money. I was working full time so she could pay all the fucking bills. So we had a place to live. So everything was fucking cool, you know, yeah. just trying to help. And, uh, senior year started and I had to go back to school. So, so I wouldn't fail out because of the, the music, the music theory sh- shit, you know, I had, I had to put in extra time after school and stuff. I couldn't work. So I had to quit my job and about right. Not, not too long after I quit my job, my mom tells me she can't afford to take care of me anymore. And, uh, she dropped me off at a friend's house with like some bags of clothes and moved out of the state. Oh, damn. Yeah. I was 17. And just left you. Just left. Fuck, man. And every time I thought it was going to get better, man, just like, no, it ain't getting better, dog. It ain't getting better. Now it's getting worse. Yeah. Now I was, I was 17 years old and completely on my own, no family, no friends, and fucking in a, in a state where I didn't know anybody. And, uh, I did what I thought was a smart thing to do. And I dropped out of high school and got a job so I could find a place to live. And I did, you know, I was able to fucking, the only place I'll rent a 17 year old in an apartment is not in a good part of town. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. That was was an exciting adventure on its own, but I got a job. I was able to get my own fucking place. I was able to take care of myself. I was able to feed myself. I was able to give myself shit I'd never had before in my fucking life, you know? So, I didn't really feel that bad about my situation having to drop out of high school because I had just I had just achieved something I never had in these. I had weed when I wanted it. I had alcohol when I wanted it. Right. I had my own fucking place. Yeah. I was like, I did. Neither one of my parents ever fucking did. Like, I got a fucking mate. You know? Yeah. But and you're doing it on your terms, and you're yeah, like you said, you're getting everything on your own. Yeah. yeah. But that's very short sighted thinking from. Uh, when you grow up in a life like that, you don't think about your future because you never had a future, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't... 
I think a lot of us don't think about the future. You know, um, you got to have people around you that are also looking out for your future. You know what I mean? So like, if 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 like everybody else around you is not, you know, what I'm saying thinking forwards, like you're never you're just gonna be thinking day to day too. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because that, that's that's where I got the mentality from. You know, obviously, neither one of my parents ever thought about the fucking future. You know what I mean? They weren't like, let me do shit to fucking plan out and make sure it works out in the fucking end. It was just fucking day to day, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. At 17, I thought like, well, fuck, dude, I already got this shit fucking figured out, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it didn't didn't work out, you know? Things got worse, you know? I was uh, living with my girlfriend I had at the time, and I just fucking hated her. And uh, I knew that I wasn't fucking going anywhere. And my brother was in the Marine Corps at the time. Right. And he was down at uh, Cherry Point in North Carolina. And um, I went down there and started living with him. Yeah. I lived with him until I think I was like 19. And then uh, his wife didn't fucking want me around anymore. Don't fucking blame her. And uh, I got a hold of my mom. And she let me come back and live with her in West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, she was just a fucking mess, man. She was... Neither her or my father ever in life were ever to keep a vehicle or a house. They always got evicted, repossessed vehicles. And even at this time, like, I was almost 20 years old. And uh, my mother was in her 40s. She was a drunk... She was fucking coming home from work drunk every fucking day. We got evicted from the house we were fucking staying in. She got her fucking car repossessed. Right. It was just a a no-hope situation, you know what I mean? Just a fucking, just a hopeless fucking situation. And she started, she had uh, decided in her life that what she needed to do was she needed to marry a rich guy. Yeah. And uh, that's what she devoted her fucking life to doing. And uh, she found one. She found a rich guy that would fucking marry her. And uh, I had gotten my GED by this time. Got the second highest score in the state. No good deal. <laughs> that's huh? what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, I already knew you were smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And... Uh, so that was in, this was around 2004 when this is going down. So I get my GED. She's trying to get married to this fucking rich dude and definitely doesn't fucking want me around anymore. Yeah. And that, and uh, so 2004, you know, the war is fucking kicking, right? Yep. The, the war is fucking in full fucking swing. Yep. Yep. yep so yep. I'm 20 years old. Small just got West my at G- that time. Right. And I'm, I'm feeling like a fucking loser because I ain't never done nothing with my fucking life. And uh, I was sitting on the couch in my mother's apartment watching the news. I'm coming across saying this. It's all good. It's not even that sad. <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. So every day at the evening in the news, they would put it across like the, 
the guy's died. Yeah. Like the body came yep. That's all. Yep. And shit. And they were all dudes my age and younger. Yeah. And I felt like a fucking coward. I felt like a fucking coward for sitting on my couch. Well, those dudes were, yeah. Yeah. Fighting in a fucking war. And that is when I decided, like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I found a recruiter and fucking, it's like, I want to be in the infantry, man. I want to go to fucking war. I want to move now. Right. And uh, that was a, a huge, a huge move for me, man. A huge escape to fucking get away from that fucking, that shit fucking lifestyle that I was fucking living. I'm just bouncing from one house to the fucking next to one drama to the right. fucking next to one thing to the fucking next with no fucking identity as a human. You know what I mean? No fucking identity to who I fucking was. You know what I mean? Only, only trying to run from who I was because I was embarrassed of who I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was like the the decisive moment in your life that changed the entire trajectory. Entire trajectory. The entire trajectory, oh, yeah. That's I why get I, emotional about it, man. That's it's, what, I mean, it's wild if you think about it, man. I I, I look back to that. And I, dude, if I had, if that hadn't happened, I mean, yeah. if that hadn't fucking, it, who the fuck knows? I mean, if nothing, nothing good would have come. I can tell you that much, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, it was a, the the biggest moment in my fucking life. I mean, I would not be who I am today, but we're not for that fucking moment. Man. So, where'd you end up going when you enlisted? So, check this out. This is some bullshit, but when I enlisted, if you had a GED that this meant you were less valuable, so they wouldn't give you options on your fucking contract. Right. Can I, can I, I know you want to say something. <laughs> well, because I don't know if I told you, but the same thing happened to me. So I came in with a GED and yeah, yeah, man, Dude, bro. I, like, so, so uh, yeah. in the fucking podcast. Okay. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. 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 Cause I dropped that. Cause I was, I was like, I'm going to the army anyway. <laughs> I was like, I just want to get there sooner. But, I got a GED, man, and I know what you're talking about because they did the same shit to me. He was like, well, I got a, uh, you can be a mechanic and you can go to Fort Campbell. You know what I mean? And and, and that's when I was like, does it snow there? Because I didn't know shit about uh, Kentucky. I was like, does it snow there? And he was like, yeah. I was like, nah. <laughs> and I was like, I just want to be in the infantry. He gave me infantry, but he wouldn't let me, like he tried to pull the old, I, ain't, I don't have Hawaii. And I was like, all right, well, just call me when you do. <laughs> you know? And and he ended up calling me back and and. But yeah, same thing happened. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, they don't want to hook you up because, like... They're a quitter already is what they told me. Yeah, yeah. That's what they, they told me. Like, well, we think you're a quitter already. Okay. Shit, <laughs> man. And this was this was in West Virginia that you enlisted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All I wanted was infantry anyway. So, I, I mean... There was other cool shit going on. Dudes were getting ranger contracts and shit with $40,000 bonuses and stuff, but I wasn't allowed to get that, you know? So yeah. all I could get was infantry. So I'm happy with that. Cause really, I just wanted to make sure that I was the motherfucker fighting, but I'm the motherfucker yeah. on the fucking front line. That, I right. didn't want to be anybody but that fucking guy. And as long as I right. was that guy, okay, I can, I can handle that. So I got that. 
which was fucking cool. But I still really wasn't that fucking happy about it, you know what I mean? Like, what you mean? I was happy that I was leaving, but at the same time, I was still kind of a shitbag person. I, like, all I really cared about was getting fucked up and doing drugs, you know what I mean? Right, habits. Old habits. Bad habits. Yeah. I was... I I drank every fucking day. I mean, I was already yeah. a fucking alcoholic much. I, I lived for doing fucking drugs. So I was happy that I was doing something that I was passionate about, but at the same time, I was very conflicted about it. You know, I was still kind of a shit bag. Yeah. Anyhow, <clears throat> went to fucking, you know, joined the fucking army. That was fucking great. And that was the fucking first time I never had to fucking worry about being hungry any fucking more. And I fucking loved that. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I was fucking happy as fuck about that. Right. And, uh, Went to my fucking first duty station, bro. And could not have been more disappointed with the fucking army. Yeah. Was that school for... Campbell or school for... No, Fort Hood. Fort yeah. And then you went to Hawaii, right? No, I was never in Hawaii. I went to... I was in Hood and Campbell. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, let me tell you about my first fucking unit I go to. So, <laughs> yeah. So, the E6s, the staff sergeants, for all the, the non military people that might be listening out there, the staff sergeants who are what is referred to as squad leaders, they spent the majority of the day in the parking lot drinking, just getting fucking drunk. And and as soldiers and everyone else, we spent the majority of the time hiding in the fucking barracks. Right. Every day. And I thought that when I joined the fucking army, that we would be training and shit. That we would be doing army shit. That right. we would be like shooting guns, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fucking running around. I don't know. But we never trained at all, ever. And I started to complain about this to my team leader. Like, what the fuck? And I am getting formally counseled on paper for complaining too much. Because you wanted to work. Can you believe that? No, I can't believe that. Too much about not training. Dude, there was no fucking army going on. And this was the height of the war. This was in 2004. Yeah, that's... And we were getting... That's crazy. I got sent right to a unit that was deploying. We were deploying in fucking eight months. Dude, even... We were getting... For a... uh, I think it was a 13-month deployment. And no ranges. No fucking no nothing. Just fuck off. Damn. Dude, even in Hawaii... I was going to die. Die. That's wild, man. Because like, even when I was in Hawaii in two th- two thousand one, January two thousand one, and and on until I left for Ranger Battalion, like, bro, we we were training all the time. Like, never, fuck, man. Two three well, weeks I at know, a time, man. This is. I I think I know why. I, it's because I was in a mechanized unit. All the money they had went to their vehicles. There was no money for ammo or shooting or fucking any kind of that training. So it just didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But there was no army going on in that fucking unit, man. So, <laughs> so, it, 
<laughs> it was you said there's no we, army going on. <laughs> no, but when uh, we went to Iraq, uh, shit. When we went to Iraq, it was the exact same shit show you can fucking expect. Uh, I, well, yeah, I mean, if if, if you got a shit show no, back home, <laughs> dude, it was it was in, it was it was insanity. There was just. Oh. It was insanity. The whole fucking well, 2006 was a. I went to, no, I went in 2005. I was there. My first appointment was in 2005 and 2006. Right. And those were the height of the IED times, if you remember that time. Those oh, were, yeah. Was some yeah, yeah. Real bad time to be driving around. Yeah. You know, and if you got to be driving around, and there's not a whole lot you can fucking do about nah. it. You know? Well, because you, you didn't even understand him. You know, really, then, like, like we had started hearing about him, but, but back then they were hiding them in the animals on the side of the road. There was, you know, like, like it, it tactic was, was step ahead of us on the battlefield. Yeah, man. Yeah, I fuck yeah, I remember those times. They were hiding them in the fucking uh, MRE bags and shit. Once it, once they became litter, yeah. they were in the dead animals and shit. They were fucking yeah. setting the fucking uh, asphalt on fire, peeling it up and hiding under the yeah. fucking road. Yeah, man. Shit. Well, speaking of which, man, here's a good fucking story. So this is uh, in 2006. I flew over there on uh, Christmas Day, December 25th, uh, 2005. So shortly after that, 2006, we're leaving our patrol base to go out on this fucking stupid fucking waste of fucking time patrol in the middle of the fucking night to do fucking nothing. And uh, we had six clicks, six kilometers of road and driveway for our fucking patrol base. And for some fucking reason, we couldn't keep motherfuckers from putting IEDs in this motherfucker for a whole fucking year. Couldn't get them to stop. Just you know, not that we couldn't fucking do it, but you know, the leadership had no fucking idea how to fucking formulate a fucking plan to do anything to make a fucking difference. Well, they were just they were incompetent. Well, he, I mean, yeah, if you say y'all weren't even training back home, like what makes them think that they're gonna do anything in combat? Well, they didn't want to. What they wanted to do was fucking hunker down, stay safe, and go home. They didn't want to fight. If I was in if if I was unprepared and never trained <laughs> and I was with those guys, I'd be like, yeah, I'm cool hunkering. <laughs> like, you know, ain't a point to get out there and get killed for, you know. But yeah, man, it's, I mean, obviously they had already been set in their ways and you were that young, hungry new guy that's like, y'all just want to get out here and get it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was fucking, that was uh, not accepted. Yeah, that yeah. was... Uh, not in that unit, but regular army units vary. They vary quite differently. You know what I mean? You can go, it, a company can vary from a company in a fucking battalion. You know, you can have one company that's fucking shit hot in a battalion and one company that's fucking garbage. You know, in the regular army, it just varies. The command structure is usually what determines whether or not a unit has any fucking worth at all. You know? Right. So, all right. So continue, man. Cause so, yeah. Here's my story. So, where we are now, we're, we're 2006-ish, and uh, we're going out on this fucking dumbass patrol on this fucking road that's fucking covered in IEDs every fucking day. And uh, what we would do is leave our patrol base, drive out to an Iraqi army checkpoint, leave our Humvee, then as a fire team, walk around in the dark looking for bad guys. 
Right. Of the plane. So I'm in the gunner position of the Humvee. We're driving down the fucking road, nighttime, and big loud pow, pow. Not like a bomb, but like a gunshot. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. So I'm like, oh shit, did I get shot? I'm like feeling myself, see if I feel blood and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, is this one, is this one of the towns? <laughs> it got me. They fucking, they got the medic. <laughs> I'm feeling myself, and uh, I don't feel any blood. Yeah. We, we we keep driving. We get up to the Iraqi checkpoint. We stop. We radio back. Tell our fucking drunk staff sergeant what the fuck's going on. You know. Right. And. He comes out there, we get to the checkpoint, we start walking back like idiots on the fucking road to see what had happened. And um, we keep walking back, and uh, there on the, the side of the road are these two 155-millimeter artillery rounds that are wired together yeah. with a pressure a pressure you know, detonation switch across the road. Right. We had run, we had run over it. And had blown the blasting caps, but had not detonated Shut the one five five. Fuck up! You would not be talking to me right now. Nah, if those two motherfuckers gone, And damn, damn, <laughs> damn! I'm a Swiss cheese, you boy. Talk about talk about having some fucking luck, man. Being being being, luck, being looked out for. Holy shit. They wired the motherfucker wrong. The rounds were old. I don't fucking yeah. know. I mean, which was good. The, the caps went off. I mean, loud enough where I thought I got fucking shot at like point blank fucking range. Yeah. But if those two 155s that went off. Oh, dude, you'd have been done. You'd have been a wrap. There'd have been That's nothing. It. Yeah, bro. There'd been nothing left. That's it. Fuck, man. Um, so y'all, so y'all go through that deployment, <laughs> and you, and you come home. <laughs> Thank God, <laughs> you had to been relieved. Like, all right, man, like we got through that. Like I got through that. I was very kind of furious in a way. I was very furious because that was not the experience I wanted. You know what I mean? I, I came back from that deployment feeling very defeated. Yeah. A lot of dudes fucking died. It was not a fucking good time. It was not a fucking good time. We did not win. We fucking lost. We lost fucking real fucking bad. We lost due to incompetency. Right. And that's not what I was looking for. I was furious over my experience. And I wanted the fuck out. I didn't want nothing to do with the fucking army no more. Oh, so when you came back, were you getting ready to get it out? Like to get out? Just when you think it gets better, it gets worse. Yeah, that's right. I remember this because this was the time frame. Of, uh, I mean, this was the time of uh, 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 stop losses and mm-hmm. getting recalled. And yeah. Yeah, it was the height yeah. of it. It was yeah. the height of it. So I got back and I was ready to get the fuck out. I couldn't believe I fucking lived. I mean, there was there was many more instances than that when I almost fucking got killed over some stupid shit. Right. You know I mean, many instances where I'm fucking killed over some fucking dumb bombs. Right. So I could have fucking lived. And I fucking made it back. And I was like, fuck this shit. I'm out. Yeah. And uh, getting ready to get out. Uh, my unit that I was in was getting ready to move to Colorado. 
I was like, that's fucking cool. I'll go up to Colorado and I'll get out from there. I always want to see Colorado. Yeah. And then this message comes down. Well, if you don't have two years left in your contract, you can't go to Colorado. I was like, whatever. I'll stay here in fucking Texas and get out. Yeah. And they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they sent me to a unit that was going right back to Iraq. Shut the fuck up. And I ended up going back to Iraq three days after my ETS day. And to anybody listening that doesn't know what that means, that means end time and service. That was the day I was supposed to get out of the army. So three days after I was supposed to get yeah. out of the army, I went right back. And dude, there is no describing that level of fucking depression where I fucking barely fucking survived. Barely fucking survived. You must have not and gave a fuck. There's dude, no way you I, gave I, a fuck. <laughs> Dude, I was fucking suicidal like a motherfucker. I'm not even joking. I was not going to kill my fucking self. No, but I didn't no, want to fucking live. No, I understand what you're talking about. Like, I, I just had this conversation this just the other day. Like, no, no, no I get it. Like, you were <laughs> losing it. Yeah. yeah. Dude, uh, I, I, I was like, I, I knew I was going to die. I knew I was going to fucking die. I, I thought, because my only experience in the army had been a fucking shit show, so I had no reason to think it was going to be any fucking different. You know what I mean? So I go to this fucking new unit, and it's fucking crazy. These motherfuckers were fucking all about training. They were fucking Nazis in a good way. All right. Uh, they were. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No. I get it, and I think a lot of people won't get it, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some comments. <laughs> right, right uh, but yeah, go ahead. What I say is they were very regimented right, and right. very fucking very fucking on point. Dude, we went to a range every fucking day. Right. We were shooting every fucking day. It was fucking mad fucking discipline, dude. Dude, people ran from the shadow of the fucking commanding officer, which you've heard me talk about before, Captain Conover. Yep. Who just got promoted general yesterday, as a matter of fact. Good for him. Good shit. Congrats. It was fuck, dude. It was, it was insane. It was the fucking real fucking army. Yeah. And uh, I still didn't fucking like it because I want to get the fuck out. Oh yeah. And I thought this well, guy. Was well, because you're supposed to get out and then they call him. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're yeah. deploying. I was, I was like, I still didn't fucking like it. You know, I was like, this is, yeah, I right. did my shit. And so I was still convinced we were going to fucking die anyway, you know? And uh, so big long flight over there as usual. We get over there and uh, we end up landing at Fob Falcon. I don't know if you've ever been there. No, you've been to Fob Falcon? Not that I've, I've I've never stayed on it, but you know what I'm saying. If I stop by the uh, stop there, I don't know, but I can't. Yeah. I can't. I so can't fucking recall. Some small fob that's there in fucking Baghdad somewhere. Yeah, we land. I've never. That's the only time I've ever been there either. We land there in in, uh, in Chinooks, and dude, as soon as we fucking touch down, as soon as we fucking land, they start lighting up, lighting us, lighting up the fucking fob and the fucking the, the landing zone with. Katusha's with 107 rockets. Really? Because they knew they knew the incoming 46s were fucking in going outgoing units. Soldiers, so yeah. They saw, blah, 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 and, they and you are, and y'all were like, just getting there. Dude, it was, uh, we just got there. 
I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking die. Damn. I thought it was ridiculous. It, I thought it was ridiculous. And it was ridiculous because the uh, the uniform on that fob at the time was full battle rattle 24-7. Yeah. And, uh, and the audience members that don't know what full battle rattle means, that means uh, your fucking full kit, your helmet, your fucking vest, your fucking your, at 24 hours a day because they were getting so much indirect all the fucking time. So, so Falcon was getting, a very, very small base then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the reason they were getting so much indirect all the time is because the outside area was not in control by anybody in the United States military. It right. was owned by the bad guys. Yeah. And guess whose AO that was? God. <laughs> but at, least, was, but at a, least this time you were with, uh, you know, better dudes. Uh, oh, for sure. First of all, that working out very much in the positive, but I didn't know it was going to work out in the positive. Yeah. I thought this guy was going to get me fucking killed. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be a good deal. I was very skeptical. I was like, this guy's going to get me fucking killed. <laughs> when, we <got> the <laughs> when we got the brief, when we got the brief from the outgoing unit, they said, yeah, we've just turned this fucking area over to the bad guys. It's theirs, and we just don't go there anymore. I was like, what? Right. You just, you just let them have it? <laughs> That's just theirs. They do what they want? Yeah, man. And that was it. Hey, oh, we had we had to go take that fucking area, and um, there's a real big threat of sniper fire when we fucking went in there. There's a, there's a dude with a 50 cal who's making headshots on people when they're running. He's a, he's a legit trained sniper, you know, not just the guy with a rifle, but a, a legit fucking military yeah. trained dude. So that was a big fucking threat, and the RPG threat was like the the highest at the fucking time. I was like, dude, we're just gonna fucking die. There's no fucking way I'm gonna fucking live. But. <laughs> My commander was smart enough at the time to adopt the policy of how we would navigate the, the the neighborhood so we never had to use main roads. Yeah. So we never had any kind of an IED threat. So the only threat we ever had was from small arms small fire. fire. Yeah. Mahala died, and I'm sure you've heard of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it came from Sauter City, you know, where you just weave through the fucking neighborhoods and never hit the main roads, and they won't blow an IED in the neighborhood, so... You negate the threat altogether. Yeah. And he once he once I found out that he was doing that and that we didn't have to worry about IEDs, I was like, that's my man. Like, yeah. okay. I, I believe in that guy. <laughs> and once uh oh for sure. And then when then when it was just small arms fire, and then I knew that we could get uh we got Apaches on standby anytime we got into contact, there was nothing to worry about. Right. It was that was literally the best experience of my fucking life. And that was in like um, 2008, I think. And that was when, dude, I fell in love with the sport of combat. And yeah. it probably it might sound cliche to say, or it might sound shallow to say, to think of combat as a sport, but in a, in a way that it kind of is, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean you know, I've have, 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 had many conversations on this. Well, I know that, but I'm just saying for people that are listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hundred. Yeah, you and I talk about it many times, and it's definitely a fucking sport. Yeah, man. yeah. That's when I fell in love with it as a fucking sport, and it was like, dude, this is my fucking game, dude. I didn't know it could be like this. I didn't yeah. know that. You know, I didn't know that we had. We didn't have to drive around and get fucking blown the fuck up all day. I didn't know you could have an intelligent person in command of you and fucking negate your fucking death. You know, it was. It was just a different. Me getting stop lost, which yeah. I thought was the worst thing that ever happened to me, was the best thing that ever fucking happened to me. It's crazy when things like that happen. Like, 
when something at the moment you're like, this is the worst thing ever, fucking, you know what I'm saying? This is just ruining my life, man. And then all of a sudden later on, you're like, man, this is the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> like, thank God. I don't, I don't want to believe in mystical fucking powers and shit, but yeah. when shit like that fucking happens to you, you got to think like, dude, what is the coincidence? That yeah, yeah. I thought I was just going to get fucking gutted and blown the fucking part. Yeah. And it turns out that... It was such a life-changing experience for me. Yeah. I, I found myself in that fucking deployment. Not to sound like a fucking loser, but I found my identity, my sense of who I was in the in in those combat engagements in that fucking employment. It was just it was the best time of my fucking life. Yeah. I never felt any it was just, it was fucking great. We were, because we were winning. You know what I mean? We weren't fucking losing. We were winning. And it feels good to fucking win. Of course. I told my psychiatrist the day, you would not believe what it'll do to your fucking ego to win a gunfight. Yeah. But it's straight in the fucking stratosphere. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, man. And that's, that's, it's a fucking drug, dude. And I fucking, that, that's, <laughs> I, I fucking, I loved it. You know, it was, right. it was the, the best that ever fucking happened to me. And, uh, it was, on that deployment that um, my beloved commander, Captain Connor, that I've talked about so many times, he took a couple of us into into the into his office and had a fucking talk with us. And uh, he was talking because he was proud of us, the things we had done, you know, the, the raids we had done, we had fucking, you know, very fluid and, you know, not the best fucking training, but had some fucking natural aptitudes and some intuition you know, as far as combat operations went. Right, right. And uh, he talked to us and he said, look, man, you know, some of you've got more to fucking offer and uh, you got more to offer the fucking army and you should probably try to go to some better units. And, you know. Ah, uh, so this was the spark. That was, that's what it was right then, man. That's when he told me the, the quote that changed my life forever, man. Yeah. He said, uh, I might not be the smartest motherfucker. I might not be the most talented motherfucker, but anybody can be outworked. And uh, mm. that that was really the tempo for that deployment because we were ruthless as far as work ethic goes. And I knew that about myself. Man, I might not have the most fucking talent at being in the fucking army. I might not be the most intelligent guy, but I've got the fucking heart yep. to fucking to outwork anybody. I mean, I've the suffering I came from in my fucking background is like you can't out suffer me. You know, yeah. Right, I right. got suffering all fucking day. I mean, I can outwork somebody. I can fucking I can put in the fucking work. As long as I can put in the fucking work, you know. Mm-hmm. I I tell people that all the time, man. I'm like I'm like it's heart, man. It's either you have it. It's either you have heart <laughs> or you don't, man. Like like that's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Um, I tell people all the time, you know, like, you know, you hear all these other, uh, you know, veterans are always, you know, always tell you all the, man, I was the fastest. I was this. I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, bro. I was never the fastest. Never rocked the, you know what I'm saying? I, you know what I'm saying? Never rocked the fastest, but I tell you this, I never quit. And I was always, you know, uh, trying to be first no matter what. So, you know what I mean? Like, I like you got to have that heart, man. And, and heart will take you so far if if you have some. <laughs> well, well that, that intrinsic motivation, a lot of times, that's exactly what it comes down to in, in any situation where you're sucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. You could 
you can you can bear almost any how if you know the fucking why. You know? Exactly. If you know why you're doing what you're doing, you can get through any how of what you have to fucking do. Yep. Yeah. Know why you started. Know why you started, and 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 and, and uh, where you want to get to, really. And if you, right. yeah, yeah, you're 100, man. So, so he brings that up. Did you start looking into it right away, or did you have to wait till you came back to? Because uh, I'm assuming that's when you decided to go SF, and you know what I'm saying, right? Right. The decision I came to was I'm either I was either going to go into special operations, I was going to get out of the army altogether. I wasn't going to stay in the regular army. You know, it was just there was no consistency in as far as the units go. There's nothing you couldn't trust in anything. It was stupidity. There's yeah. all you got to do is show up. All you got to do be in the regular army, show up. You know, there was no consistency in what was going on. Yeah. So yeah, I decided that I was going to go into special operations or get out. And uh, but. I had to re. I was since I was stop lost at the time while I was there. I had to re-enlist and uh, re-enlisted uh, to go to Fort Campbell because at least from what I knew that the the 101st was a better unit than what I was in. So I at least wanted to have that as a as a just my base of operations to move out from. Right, and Which, and, and something that you wanted to do. Right. Yeah. Right. I went to Fort Campbell and uh, was very unimpressed, actually, with the unit that I went to. That's neither here nor there, though, because I wasn't really there to stay. Right. Uh, but one of, the, one of the funny things that happened there might not be too funny to anybody that wasn't in the military because they might not understand it. But uh, So at the time I went to Fort Campbell, I was an E6. I was a staff sergeant. Yeah. But I had never been to uh, PLDC or... What was the other? What, what was the other? Uh, BNOC. BNOC is for E6. What's the one before oh. that? Was it PLDC? Yeah, PLDC. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you threw me they call it. They call it something else now, but it's PLDC back then. Okay. Yeah. So I had, uh, I was in E, I was a staff, so I was in E6, but I hadn't been to PLDC, which is a big no no. You, you, normally, you should not be able to get promoted to E6 before you get PLDC. Yep. But those were different so, times back then, though. Oh, yeah, they were. It should have been better than the road, baby. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the road was going to be Like, oh, yeah, you can get promoted. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> different, different times, man. Very different times, man. Especially, yeah. Yeah, very different times. So I had to get that school <laughs> so I could keep my rank. You know, I, because you can't be an E6 without that, without that school. So the first thing that happened when I went to Campbell was they sent me to that school. Whatever, stupid, just a waste of fucking time school. But uh, the first thing I did when I got out of that school was I went to the SF recruiter. Yeah. And that was seen as a very big insult to the, uh, the unit that I was in that I would come to their fucking units, take their fucking school slot, right. and then say, Hey, I want to get out of here. Yeah, I'm leaving. Which I didn't care. That's the, literally the only reason I re-enlisted to go to Fort Campbell was to do that. So yeah. that was my whole objective when I went there, you know, but they saw it as very disrespectful. I mean, a lot of... A lot of units do, man, because even a Ranger Battalion, <laughs> unless you weren't going to... Uh, um, 
you know, Delta Force or you weren't going to, you know what I'm saying, somewhere else. If you were saying you want to go to SF, man, bro, like, like it was like you're spitting in their face and it's like, but I'm just doing something different than that guy's doing, but he's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we're both leaving to better ourselves and, and they don't like that shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is. So the company commander I had at the time said, not no, but fuck no, you're not going to selection. And I said, okay. You know, so I just went and told the recruiter that. And uh, the, the recruiter fucking called his battalion commander, who called my battalion commander, and it became like a battalion wide issue. It was like a real big fucking issue, you know. Yeah. It was like a very dramatic fucking issue that the entire fucking company knew about. And I became the most hated soldier in the fucking company because I was turning my back on the company. I had to stand in front of the, the commander and the first sergeant while they fucking told me what a piece of shit I was and how I was abandoning them. My platoon sergeant told me I was abandoning the fucking platoon. All the man. All because yeah. you wanted to go to SF. Yeah. So yeah, this is all before yeah. I went to selection. So I had a lot of pressure on me to do well. <laughs> because uh, I don't call, I that, to, I don't call that pressure. I, I call that you had no fucking choice. Like, like, no fuck. like you had no fucking choice. But don't, then, don't even come back. If you don't make it, don't even come back. Hey, <laughs> well, but check this out, man. Check this out. This is going to make me sound like a shit bag. I had only done land nav one time before I went to selection. Yeah. So that was like a kind of a big deal. It is, but like being here at selection now and seeing the amount of people that come through that, that, you know what I'm saying? I've never done land nav or only I've only done it a couple of times. Cause it's a lot of, um, it's becoming a lost skill, man, to be honest with you. What? It was then. It was then. That's why yeah. no one trained it because it wasn't something you're fucking going to do in combat. Like, so no one fucking trained that fucking skill. Yeah. It was like, it depended on what unit you came from, whether or not you did it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <clears throat> that was just something I had hanging over top of me that I knew I was going to have to do when I was in selection. That I was like, well, I don't really know how to fucking do that very well or at all, really, you know? All right. So I was just lucky in the fucking first place that I even fucking passed selection because of that, you know, so I just, I got lucky that I didn't fucking, you know, get non-selected and go back to my fucking unit, fucking wretched coward. Did you go back, did you go back uh, with that strut? Like, yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> no, uh, like, you ain't about to kick me out. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I don't, I say no, I, no, I don't think I did. Well, I was already a pretty cocky dude in the fucking first place. Well, I was already a pretty cocky dude at the time. No, no, no. So I'm not saying like, you know what I'm saying? Like you were cocky that you made it, but I'm saying cocky. at like, yeah, motherfucker, I made it. So now you can't fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you can't fuck with me because like, well, like I'm good now. I'm leaving. Yeah. But also, also when I came back, they treated me completely different. They were like, they were were so proud of me. Like, oh, look at our, yeah, he's one of ours. You know, we made it. He's one of our guys. Well, because it looks good on them too. Yeah, because whatever. you know, air quotes here because they trained you. They, you know, say they. they <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Four months I was there. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I guarantee you, somebody there was like, "Yeah, that's my guy." Like, oh, for sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. 
Guarantee. Yes, I we do PT three times a day, and he was, you know, squirting. <laughs> We're sitting here. Doing, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Trying to take credit for something that they didn't fucking do. But that's when, uh, there again, man, that was another time in my life when I was like, dude, shit's going to be good now, you know? Yeah. Everything's fucking fine now. I mean, can't nothing fuck up now, you know? Everything's fucking good now, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm on a fucking better path now, you know what I mean? It wasn't uh, too much longer after that that I went down to Bragg, fucking PCS down to Bragg, permit change the station. Um, I think I got there in March of 2009. Maybe it was 2010. 10. It was 10. Yeah, 2010, because I went to selection 2009. Yeah, March of 2010. And uh, fucking... Shit was fucking good, you know. Uh, I didn't mention this before, but now at this point in time in the military, I'm married. I got two fucking kids. Yeah. I got two daughters. <laughs> so married with two fucking kids um, at Bragg in the fucking Q course, qualification course. Fucking everything's fucking great. The first phase of the course for me was CLT. I don't know if they still do that, do that. Well, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. So a lot of things have changed as far as like what they're calling it. Okay. But like I'm not really uh, clear on all those pre pre courses that you got to do before you actually start the queue. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the first course for me was CLC. It was like 17 days, I think. I went out there. Fucking uh, what it was? It was common leader training. It was the SF NCOES school. Right. It was the SF version of uh, BNOC, I guess. Yeah, it's for everybody else that's never been, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Whoever's never been to BNOC. Right. So, it's a fuck-fuck school. Nothing really happens out there. And, uh, I get back and, you know, as usual, when I thought things were fucking going good, you know, 